Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. Um, so to start, I want to talk about product sets. So I think we hear this a lot in the PM world. I think about it as like a really deep understanding of your user, understanding what they like, what they don't like, what they really, really need. Uh, because users don't normally tell you, I need X. Uh, you sort of have to understand what they like, and then from there, derive what they need, and then deliver products that are you know, magical and amazing and bring them like, a lot of happiness. Um, and I think the big question we have is, how do you actually get this? Because this is, um, it sounds very nebulous, right? Like, how do you actually understand this group of users? Uh, and because I'm really nutty, I have a little formula for how I like to think about it. Um, but for me, product sense is the sum of all the user research you have, so like one-on-one -on -one talking to your user. Um, then I, I think about it as the learnings you have from slightly bigger groups of users, the experiments you run, uh, knowing what, what works with some users, what doesn't. And then lastly, on, on a much larger scale, um, how, demo, how your user demographics stack up and uh, what those different demographics of users like. Like for example, um, if I know my user base is mostly like older and male, I can learn more about like what, what would cater towards that audience. Um, but today, uh, the thing we're gonna focus most on is uh, how to run successful experiments, because I think this is the quickest way you can iterate and learn um, on uh, like what specifically your user base is going to, um, like what specifically your user base uh, wants and how, like what they're reacting to. Um, so if we go back to this, this is, I think it's really important to run a lot of experiments, uh, as, as many as you can, because each one helps you build up your product sense. Um, so we're going to talk about two and three uh, in the context of a case uh, study and work. So I hope you guys are excited. Um, case study time. So uh, today we're all going to pretend we're product managers at Uber. It's super exciting. Um, so it's your first day. This is orientation. I'm going to tell you a little about um, what your job is going to entail, and then I'll dive into what your like specific role will do. Um, uh, at Uber, you're joining the driver access team. Uh, so this team is responsible for two things. One is the compliance, so ensuring that every driver who joins the platform continues to stay compliant, making sure they abide by all the rules of the platform, the regulations. Uh, like if at any time, for example, your driver's license expires, you, you have to make sure you can't drive. Um, the other side of it is also driver growth, which is where we bring on new drivers onto the platform. and. Uh, yeah, ensure that they are like they meet all the requirements we have, and then we're able to um, and we're able to onboard them and make sure that they uh, they have everything they need to get started. Uh, every week we have about five hundred thousand people signing up to drive on the platform. Uh, they come from all around the world, maybe some of the, not some of these countries anymore, uh, and all of them have different stories. And I think it's like, really interesting every time you talk to an Uber driver because they all have a uh, different reason why they're here. Um, what was really interesting was this team didn't actually exist uh, four years ago. Um, in 2012, I don't know if you guys remember, but way back in the day, 
Um, we were primarily a black car service. All drivers had Uber-owned devices, so Uber actually gave you an iPhone to do your job with. Uh, and it was a super high-touch onboarding process. So all the drivers would physically go to the Uber office on Market Street or in whichever um, city location that they were trying to sign up in, and they would sign up with an actual person who would take note of all their documents. Um, however, as Uber grew, this uh, became unscalable really, really quickly. Uh, so what happened was uh, we had, at some point, Harvard MBAs just spending the entire day stuffing iPhones into envelopes that we could mail out to drivers so that the drivers could get on the platform. Uh, we had super long lines outside all our offices whenever we got into the whenever we got into work, and it got to the point where we were renting out football stadiums to run driver onboarding events because there were such long lines uh, we couldn't it just like wasn't feasible. So we would hold every weekend a uh, like uh, driver sign up day at a different football stadium. Very fun time, <laughs> but of course not actually um, sustainable for the business. Um, so what we did was two things. The first was bring your own device, meaning that uh, we launched the Uber app that you guys know today, where you can sign up um, on Uber on your phone uh, and essentially download the app so we don't have to give you an iPhone. Um, and this unlocked a period of pretty extreme growth for us, which was quite exciting, um, and has led to the over 4 million drivers we have on the platform today. Um, the other thing we did that was really exciting, which is essentially this team that we're going to talk about today, is that we unlocked virtual onboarding for drivers, meaning that instead of going physically to an office to sign up, they're able to sign up from their phones, um, like know all the requirements online, and then they can sign up for multiple business lines. So you want to charge scooters or bikes, or if you want to um, drive for eats or do freight, uh, you can all do that through that. Um, this is live in over 600 cities globally. Uh, and as the PM, you're going to be the product manager for the San Francisco funnel. So this is what we're going to talk about today. Um, so to start, now that you've all been, uh, you've had your super quick onboarding, uh, you are now the product manager for the SM funnel. What do you do next? Like, what, you sit down with your team. What are the questions you want to ask them? What do you want to find out? What I had was understand your core metrics and know what goals you have. Uh, review the experience and then look into what the largest opportunities are for trying to increase your metrics. Um, so this is what the SF final looks like today. Um, you, after you fill in the sign-up form, you come to this. Uh, we do a background check where we ask you for your social security number. You upload your driver's license. You upload your vehicle insurance, and then you do a vehicle inspection. Um, so, what would be uh, your top-line metric or your goal for this uh, for this final that you're looking? Looking at fall, fall off rates, I like, see how many people actually complete the sign process and optimize yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so, what we call it is sign up to activation rate. So, once you actually complete all these steps, you're active uh, and you're essentially like legally allowed to drive. Um, so, we're going to call it the sign up to activation rate. Um, so, now, uh, and then I think what you said is super relevant because what we want to do next is try to figure out um, you have a bunch of data. So these are your drop-off stats. Uh, from this, what would you like? How would you take this data and then try to figure out what, what you should focus on? Uh, what we like to do is we um, we typically do a waterfall chart. Uh, this is how I approach it. Uh, and what I do is for each step of the funnel, I want to understand where the biggest drop-off percentages are. 
um, and I stop with signups, and then I'm trying to get to activation, and then I have each of my steps along the process. Uh, so what we can do is map out like what these percentages look like. So given these percentages, what, what should we do first? Correct. Um, and then following that, probably people inspections. Um, so if we have time, we'll do both today. Otherwise, we'll probably just focus on one. Um, so, but a driver's license step, uh, what we know is a bunch of people are falling off right here. Uh, it says, now you can upload your driver's license. Uh, photos are proof positive. They, carry up, they show your driver's license entirely, and then you can take a photo. You take the photo, you upload it, and then it gets approved on the back end. Uh, so here's some information we have. Uh, we have a bunch of people get to this step. A bunch of people submit the photo. Some people get their photo rejected. And these are some of the reasons why. Uh, this is what your team is telling you. So um, what I'd like to do next is come up with hypotheses for why we're seeing um, these reasons. And then you guys can sort of like uh, call them out, I'll jot them down, and then we'll uh, bring some solutions together. So any ideas? Why do you think we're seeing, um, we're seeing this problem? Uh, typically, when, uh, when I run experiments, when you run an experiment, you want to make sure your hypothesis is really clear. Because when the data comes back, you need to be able to say, yes, that was true, or no, it was not true. And if your hypothesis is a little fuzzy, uh, then it's harder to actually narrow in on what, uh, what the problem lies. Does that make sense? Like, if, um, if, for example, uh, it's that, like, my, my problem, if my hypothesis was something like people don't understand what, like, what's on this screen, if the data, if I try a different screen and the data comes back and, like, this screen did better, then I, I can't actually answer that question. But what I want to do is, from these hypotheses, I want to come up with really specific things, like, for example, flashes on is a great example, because I can then say, okay, if I add the text, please make sure your flash isn't on, that immediately, and, and that experiment shows a change, and that actually tells me, okay, I did something right, and that was a hypothesis that I managed to like narrow in on. Um, so I think we've got a couple really good examples of what a great hypothesis, like the driver's license is reflective, the upload line is reflected off of the step. Um, so what we can do next is come up with um, essentially the solutions. So what I'll do is um, copy the slide. And then uh, so based on these hypotheses, what are the different things that you would try for each one? So now let's put together our experiment plan. So this is our feature. Um, how would we describe it? So this is, I, I like what you said about how it's an intermediary screen. Uh, specifically, like, glare, uh, what were other ones? Like, blurry and then cropped. Um, okay, and then so we have this, what would be the metrics we look at? I would, I would look at like how, how many um, how many submissions there are versus acceptable photos. So how many people drop on this info screen? Yeah. So it has different information on the middle screen. What about the over what about your overall success metric? The activation rate? Is that something you would want to look at? Yeah. How would you think about how activation rate factors into all these other metrics? Oh. Like the number of people who made it all the way through the whole process versus uh, these specific metrics that we have here. I think the first one is better to test this hypothesis more granular because we don't necessarily know this is the only yeah. uh, factor. Okay, this is the granular metric, so you want to make sure that 
um, you like you answer your hypothesis by looking at this metric. Mm -hmm. But uh, if this goes down and this goes up, you also don't want to tank your panel. Yeah. Because you may you may what may happen is you suddenly have a bunch of people who are not um, like fewer people submit their photos, so your overall percentage of photo approvals might go up, but then suddenly your um, overall attribution goes down, but your like core metric goes up because you're like, ah, people know how to do it. Yeah. Um, because they know what you did in the process. So um, what and how would you so we did metrics. Um, so what we're gonna use is this one. So then how would you set up the experiment? I would want to see like how how many of, of the photos that aren't approved, but like how many are due to user error versus some other factor. Typically, at the start of the experiment, what we'll do is we'll look at the we'll look at what we're trying to run, and we'll say, okay, what um, how much is this going to increase our overall number? And then based on that, that will help us calculate that. And of course, like it's a bit of a gut thing, but if you run enough experiments, you can sort of start to hone in on what's going to be helpful. Um, it depends on the conversion rate you have and then the percentage lift you expect from this specific step. So it'd be like if my conversion rate is say 90% uh, and I expect a 5% lift on that uh, with this experiment, then I can calculate what, uh, what that number will look like. So now experiment results. So okay, things didn't go as planned. What do we do next? So we have the percent of approved photos um, and what we found is that um, the percent of approved photos went up, uh, but the number of the the number of total rejected reasons, uh, number of total rejected photos also uh, wait no, this went up, and fewer people started uh, uploading. So the total number of photos submitted uh, went down, and uh, but the of the people who submitted, uh, more people got through. So what do we think happened? Well, what would we do next? Annoyed by text. Mm -hmm. People get annoyed by text. People what? Get annoyed by text. Okay, people annoyed by the text. And what would we do if that was the case? Uh, that's what we think. Uh, we're going to do the fecal inspection step. So this one's really interesting. Um, how it works is that for this step, uh, drivers need to actually, in California, go to a physical Uber location or mechanic and uh, have their car inspected. So they need to make sure that their seatbelts are working, their car is clean, and there's nothing in their trunk. Uh, and then once they have that, they can take a picture of this inspection sheet that the mechanic will give them, and um, uh, that will, like, then our agent will approve it. Um, so here's a couple, um, these are going to be more nuanced, but essentially we have 65,000 users get to the step, um, 58,000 visit the location, and then of those, some percentage of people have issues with their cars that cause infections. Uh, because we don't know what happens in between when the user sees the step and when they get to our actual location, we went and interviewed the users that um, didn't visit the location. And the top reasons were, I didn't have time, I forgot to show up for my appointment, or I was worried my car wouldn't pass. So, same thing. <laughs> Uh, what do you think the hypotheses we have for like for the user needs that are missing or essentially the um, problems that we're trying to solve here? And then uh, any, I, I think for this one, one of the more interesting ones is that this is uh, like, uh, the first one was a pretty obvious example where, you know, 
it's people don't know what to do with the data updating it. This one sort of touches uh, motivation, which I think you mentioned. Right. Uh, what do you think would be the emotions people are going through when they're thinking about um, going through this inspection? Anxiety. Anxiety, yeah. yeah. People are anxious. They're anxious, yeah. yeah. Like, I know people that sign, that sign up to drive, but that, but uh, but checking down at the last minute because of fears of whatever, safety or fears of, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, they're anxious and they're worried they won't pass. Right. Um, they could also be, like, Worried about, like, essentially thinking about what it's actually going to be like and things right. are getting too real. Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I gave a ride and I was scared shitless. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, anything else? Like, any other emotions people have? Like, imagine you're there, you're trying to sign up for like, uh, a drive, and they're like, you got to go to this location. And I think that one, that's a great one because it's, um, that factors into the I don't know how much time it will take. And that's a great example because a lot of users will say, oh, I didn't go and I don't know how much time it's going to take. But really, it's I have a second job. I'm juggling a different life. I have kids I need to bring to school. And I don't have the time to fit this in. So uh, I don't have time. But this isn't high enough on my priority list <laughs> this week. Um, anything else? I'm wondering, this, like the, the fall-off rate, is it greater amongst people that schedule through the app or people that or people that choose to use, to schedule outside the app? Uh, um, so in this case, uh, let's say it's just people who try to sign up through the app. Through the app, okay. Yeah, they're trying to go through the location. Mm -hmm. So at least this is how I think about it. The, the two problems, uh, typically when you're doing a funnel, there's this like motivation feelings problem, which is more classic on this stuff. And then there's the I just don't know what to do problem. And then on both of them, uh, after you've run a bunch of experiments, you sort of know how much you can actually lift that metric. And then that, uh, if you run a series, you can actually tell when you are reaching the plateau, at least on the first, uh, on the group where um, it's a pretty obvious problem. On the feelings and motivations, it's a little harder. Um, well, that number is also, the, the conversion rate is obviously like significantly lower. Um, so on one hand, there's more hit from the group, but on the other, uh, you need to go figure out what it is. How I would also think about it is uh, you sort of want to be creative because you're not going to get, uh, like, you're not going to be able to find the answer online, like what your baseline should be. Because the answer would be how many, what percent of people are actually demotivated or anxious about signing up to drive, um, which is another answer to do. But what I would do is just start testing and then I'd also go and talk to users and get a sense of what their biggest problems are. So, okay, so we'll sort of do the same thing where we'd run an AB with this and this. Um, obviously, I think, like we mentioned, we, we'd um, try to trim down what we want to show in this one so we can really narrow in on the problem. Um, I think if I was going to do it, uh, probably, I think I would test wait times a little separately because we do have a hypothesis around wait times being a big reason why we think people are skipping out. So showing wait times should increase it significantly on its own. Um, and then this uh, hypothesis that the more people, that when you see other people doing the same thing, uh, you want to go is also really exciting. So um, approve the number of people, how much money they made, and then testimonials would all be nicely settled. Thank you for listening to the Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.